93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host. Uh, glad that you have tuned in this weekend. Got a special guest in the studio coming back uh, after a little more than a year uh, after being on the show the last time. Uh, Dustin Stanton uh, from Stanton Brothers Eggs. How are you, sir? Good I'm, to have you back. I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Good. I uh, It's been a while since you and I have talked, and uh, I know that there's lots of things going on in your world, and... and uh, I uh, let's just start off and and tell people about Stanton Brothers Eggs for people that, for whatever reason, they have not heard <laughs> of Stanton Brothers Eggs. Uh, tell people about your company. Absolutely, the business going all the way back to the beginning actually started as a 4-H project. Mm-hmm. Um, so I come from a family farm. It's been in the family since 1845 in northern Boone County, west of Centralia up there. Yeah. Um, and so my family's farmed generationally. Wow. And so my brother and I wanted to get involved. But if you know about ag, it's it's a low-margin industry sometimes, so we need to really diversify with what we could have as unique and different on the farm. Yep. Well, when I was six years old, I wanted an allowance, and my parents said no. At the same time, the 4-H was incubating six chickens in my first grade class. Um, so I'm like, okay, I want those chickens. And so I was the only one that wanted them. It's the very last day, and of course, a girl put her name in the hat, mm-hmm. too, and she yeah. won. That's the way it works this day. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> It really is. They always win, like in one way or another. That's right. So I went home, um, told my uncle what had happened, and the next day he actually bought. So Austin and me, our first six chickens, and Austin's yeah. my brother. We yeah, is Austin your younger brother? He is younger. Okay, very yes. good. Yeah. And uh, both of you were very active in 4-H, very active in FFA. In fact, both yep. of you were nationally recognized by FFA. Um, yes. What's the name of the award you get from FFA? Um, it's the American. So it's the American Star and Agribusiness that I won in 2014, and then yeah. Austin actually won the American Star Farmer Award in 2018. Okay, um, and I'm confident in saying we are the only two brothers in Missouri to ever win both awards. Yeah, um, I bet that I'm sure that's I've, right. It's yeah. it's for pretty folks, cool. For folks that don't understand FFA, you get the American degree, which is the top one percent of the membership. So I think my year is about 4,300 kids that won it. Yeah. Wow. And then they choose the top of that to receive the, the to be a finalist, which I was chosen in that. Yeah, the top of that to be the winner. So one out of forty three hundred. Um. Yeah. I that's, guess you could. Yeah. And if those were I mean, already the the top of the top. Yeah. Goodness sakes, that's that's pretty impressive. Um. So this uh this business is big today. Do you still have a sort of a a national rank in the mm-hmm. size of your, of your operation. Yep, nation's largest independent free range egg operation. Uh, okay, right so here. Stanton Brothers Eggs, based in Boone County, Missouri, mm-hmm. is the nation's largest independent free range chicken operation. Yes, sir. Wow, that's amazing. How yes. does that happen? Hard work. Definitely hard work. <laughs> like I always joke about barriers to entry, and I think one thing I feel confident about is hard work's a barrier to entry with what we do. Yeah, and so that's. That's been kind of our, our driving factor. Yeah. Um, it's more than just work, though. You can work yourself in the ground, too. So yeah. there's a lot of planning that goes into it. Yeah, a lot you got to be smart. Um, strategy, I would say, yeah. and growth. 
um, and innovation over yeah. time. Because you have to, uh, the market just doesn't create itself. I mean, you have to somehow get your story out there and, and right. get uh, retailers and, and people to to order your eggs so that they'll sell them for you. Absolutely. And is the farmer's market still a big part of your operation? Um, it is. I, I love the farmer's market. Yeah. So for folks that don't know, that's actually where we started retailing, I would say, in the uh, with the business. Um, in 2007, we started selling there. Um, and we kind of grew. We used networking from there to expand our operations throughout many more outlets in the area as well. Yeah. As well. And so, yeah, we still go there and we still sell there every Saturday morning. Um, I love the farmer's market. Yeah. But, um, it's, but it's, 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 it's a margin of It's a sell. niche. It's just it's a, a small piece of the business. It is. Yeah. Okay. But you just feel like for sentimental reasons, you want to have a presence there. It's, in my own opinion, in my own mind, it's really good um, advertising. Yeah, um, it's a place we can go every single week. Folks yep. know us. Yeah, I, I I really think people want to see the face of who they're buying from. Yeah, sure. even at the stores. So yeah. we have a lot of customers that we've gained from there that still buy our products in a bunch of the stores in town too. Yeah, and well, Mid Missouri, for that matter of fact. Yeah, and so that's that's really one of our key factors to our continued success. I would say. Are there other people selling eggs at the farmers market? Yeah, it's all the time. Really? Okay. It's a, very good. It's kind of a very free market system. I mean, it really does. Yeah. So you just if if you're the farmer, you cannot buy and resell. And that's a big deal. It's a producer only. Yeah. But if you are Does raising, everybody follow those rules? Yeah, they do. It's actually okay. very strict, are I you, will say. You were the president of the farmer's market. Are you still that person? I still am. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, maybe uh, you've overextended yourself. Do you think that could be possible? Oh, I'm on. I'm probably, I have a tendency to say yes <laughs> yeah. to a lot of things. So, I mean, for folks that do or don't know, I'm involved in a lot of civic groups in the, in the area as well. Yeah. And so that's one of the ones. Um, I was asked to step up to that role. 2020, I think. Yeah. So I've been serving as president since then. Yeah. And you're also a pastor. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but you're yep. also a local pastor. Up a, is the church in Centray or Hallsville? It's, it's Hallsville. Hallsville. Okay. Yep. Very good. Um, all right. So I want to talk more about this egg product and, and, uh, because I think it, it's, it's sort of interesting. Uh, so I read, uh, just in preparing for the show this morning, I read that the, the egg industry as of last year was a $10 billion industry. Mm. And, but, very low margins. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, you hear grocery stores talking about how low their margins are and, and you hear a lot of retail businesses talking about having a 20, 30, 40% margin. Uh, why, why is the egg business a low margin business? The, the inputs, the expense of, uh, of, of, uh, raising chickens? It's, yeah. It's very cutthroat. Yeah, ah. I, I would say pricing wise, it's cutthroat. Yeah, absolutely. There are folks that will literally take a loss to try to steal customers from you. That yeah. happens more times than people would shake a stick at. Yeah, I've kind of got to the point where I don't think price. I firmly believe price is not the only thing you should be selling. Yeah, if that's the only thing you sell, you're probably going to go out of business. Wow. Um, there's a recent study that came out, and it was showing that folks are trying to play. In business, folks mm-hmm. are trying to play the middle ground are the ones that are going broke right now. It's the folks that are. I'm um, trying to sell qu- quantity, I would say, on the, on the low end. And yeah. the egg industry does that to a great deal. Yep. Um, and I've tried to stay away from that. And there's the folks that are the, on the opposite side that are playing the, the high margin game. And those are the two sectors of, of America that are thriving right now in the business world. Yeah. It's those in the middle that are really getting crunched. So I'm trying to avoid that. Um, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm not a farm boy by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Um, 
But speaking of cutthroat, uh, the, the chickens that are currently laying eggs, uh, they, they, uh, they're not the kind you fry up on Sunday afternoon. Is that correct? These are not. No. Okay. All right. So they produce their, their primary purpose in life is producing eggs. Yes. Well, to be fair, so there's different types of chickens. Yeah. Um, there are broilers, which are meat birds. Okay. Those are the ones that you would be eating. Okay. There are egg layers. That's what we have. Okay. Those are the ones that are they're really small. They have a high feed conversion rate. Yeah. So it's based on how much feed goes into the chicken. Ideally, a quarter of a pound of feed per bird per day should equal one egg. Wow. Um, and then there's and the, how many uh, eggs does the chicken lay during the course of an average day? Of an average day? Yeah. Um, one egg? One egg every 28 hours. 28 is hours. Is really okay. what, what it boils is down to. Is that an average day for you, 28 hours? 28 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I only get two hours of sleep in that. <laughs> So, uh, one egg every 28 hours. Yeah. So th- that's gotta be, so do you adjust? Okay. I know this is for people listening. This is a very stupid question, but do you adjust the time of day that you go out there to get the egg? Somewhat. So we've, we use lighting to kind of set when they lay. Uh, it, okay. th- there's a science behind it. Yeah. And so we really tried to aim to have the chickens laying the majority of their eggs really between. 6, 7 a.m. up to like 1 p.m. Okay. So we're getting, we're getting the glut of our production right then. Yeah. And then that way we can get that work done and then do other work on the farm. I'll still go back in the afternoon to take care of it one more time. Yeah. But we try to really focus on having them lay in the morning time. Yeah, okay. So And then they wash them and put them on a conveyor belt for you, these chickens? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> when you have cage-free chickens, you have to go out and find the egg. Is that correct? Um. There, there are some that lay on the ground. Yeah. yeah. So about one third of our eggs we have to pick up. We have to hand okay. gather those. Um, and then we do have a system set in place where there are um, nests with a conveyor belt in the center. Oh. And roughly two thirds of our birds actually lay in the nest, which rolls the eggs to the center on a conveyor belt, which we can then turn on to very bring the eggs to us. Very considerate. Um, we have really had to, yeah, very considerate, right? <laughs> uh, those are the ones that last the longest, I would say. Yeah. But we're talking, <laughs> but, uh, how many eggs a day are we talking? Uh, 6,000. Roughly. Only 6,000 eggs a day. Yeah. Goodness sakes. That's insane. It, and you've, you've had more than 6,000 a day before, haven't you? Uh, oh, you don't have to answer that question. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, that's, that is a lot of eggs. It keeps us busy. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. How, how soon from the egg being laid to the egg being on a supermarket shelf? What's, what's the, the delay in time? If you go to the standard industry, rate of time and it's about 30 days because by the time it goes from one farmer which then goes through a processor to be washed then to another place to be packaged then to be delivered to a store to be back in the dairy cooler to go on the store shelf it's about 30 31 days for us the maximum is seven days if you buy our eggs in a place around here um you're going to see that they were laid within the past seven days now how long can an uh, this is the the last question of the day and i have labeled it random question but uh <laughs> yeah i'm going to put it into the first segment uh what what is the average shelf life uh for an egg how how long can you keep eggs in your refrigerator well th- there's a politically correct answer to say here and there's also a non-politically correct answer okay. and i'll say give, both <laughs> give me the non-politically correct okay well the, non- the non-political one so we wash our eggs in the united states if you do not wash them there's actually a, a, a plume or a film on them and they last for over a year as shelf stable um if you don't wash them. if you don't wash them now i do not recommend that and the reason i say well uh, if you have your own chickens do what you want that's what i'm going to say that okay but if you have in the United States, for us to sell our eggs, we have to wash them. And once you wash the egg, you take that plume off. And that's what begins the aging process. Really? Um, yeah. If you go to other parts of the world, I've been to Costa Rica. 
Yeah. And down there, yeah. they just have eggs on the store shelf selling at room temp. And that's actually safer yeah. to buy them that way. Yeah. Now, in the United States, once we wash them, and we're dictated by the U.S. state that we have to do that, that's what begins the aging process. And then it's about 60, 90 days. 60, 90 days. Yeah. Okay. How do you tell if an egg has gone bad? Is it the smell, typically? You Well, at that point, you're going to figure it out pretty quick, yeah. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, but before you crack it, because once you've done that, you've kind of ruined Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. If you take it and put it in uh, a jar of water, I mean, seriously. Yeah. Um, if it f- sinks to the bottom, mm-hmm. it's a fresh egg. If it kind of dances around the bottom, it's aging a little bit, but still a good egg. If it floats to the top, those are the ones you just pitch. That, that, oh, that is a see, guaranteed method to, know. to figure I mean, that out. That is probably the most valuable thing that has ever been said on this program. Uh, so mm, anyway, that's pretty good. That's um, great. N- no comment. <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, and so you have to wash the eggs. And do, do you when you wash your eggs? Uh, what temperature water are you typically using? Oh, good question. Um, it's 120, I think. Oh, so um, it's, it's hot. We, we hit them pretty, so we have a machine we run them through and, and they're hit with the water for, oh, like eight, nine, ten seconds, just running through the machine. So yeah. it's a pretty quick process and yeah. they come out on the other end. But yeah, they're hit pretty, pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, just to get the, 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 the dirt and yeah. feathers and yeah, it's, any it's, bacteria off. It's hot. It's warm water. It's it not is, hot it is water. It's warm water. Yeah. Right. It's not hot water. It's warm water. Right. Boiling is what? Yeah. You two, don't, ten, two, ten. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you don't want to, Boil them, but you do right. want to you do want to hit them pretty hot. Okay, through. all right, very good. Um, the um, what what should the average consumer know about the difference between a cage free chicken and the eggs that we've been buying the rest of our li- the 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 first forty or fifty years of our lives? What 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 is unique about the cage free egg? So there is the the production method, and that's really what you're talking about there. If they're cage-free, if they're free-range, if yeah. they're caged up, whatever method there is. Um, I'm going to change that question a little bit. I'm going to talk about the feed because that's that's really what dictates it. Uh, the eggs you've grown up with, um, I'm just going to generic be a generic statement here. Yeah. Most of the times, like the white eggs in the stores are just fed a base corn diet, and so mm-hmm. they have a very – Lighter yolk, yeah. um, lighter taste. Your eggs have a bright um, orange yolk. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so there is the production method that goes into that, but also the feed. So we grow Milo on our farm, which is a non-GMO yep. grain. Yep. Um, and we feed them that, and that makes the darker, richer flavor. Is that 100% of their diet, Milo? Yeah. Or are you mixing something it's the, else It's in the there? majority of the diet. Okay. There's other things you have to add for, um, like calcium, for like bone health and, yeah. um, just immune health, things like that. So but it's, it doesn't not, really have anything no, to do no with antibiotics, nothing like that. It doesn't have anything to do with stress. The chicken, um, the stress that the chicken is under. As far as like the taste of the egg, yeah. Um, for, for chickens, no. Mm-hmm. For for dairy cattle, for that industry, yes. Okay, they, there's a flavor of the milk that's different based on stress of the cow. Yeah, for chickens, not so much. It doesn't affect the flavor. Okay, very good. Well, so that's but, uh, okay. And so, it it does it taste different? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. it really does. So I was when I started this, I was. To be completely honest, I was not a believer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I grew up generic about, white eggs. About chickens. About, about chickens eggs. Yeah. and eggs, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I didn't notice it to begin with, the, the flavor difference. We, we, we eat our eggs all the time. And then I was out on a vacation at a hotel, and we had some eggs that they were serving us there, and they were horrible. And, and, and these were not the, the – like, these were, like, legit shell eggs. Yeah. They were horrible. Hmm. And so I realized there was a difference, and this was quite a while back. And then I became a firm believer at that point. Yeah. Very good. That is Dustin Stanton. He is the um, 
owner and founder, co-owner and founder, co-founder of uh, Stanton Brothers Eggs based in Centraia, Missouri, uh, the nation's largest independent free-range chicken operation. Did I say that right? Very good. All right. When we come back, he is going to answer the long time question that you've been thinking about during the first segment, which came first, the chicken or the egg. We're going to we're going to get the, the real answer right after this break. All of that and more coming up with Dustin Stanton. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable. Everybody. Three nine. Oh, everybody was juice. You can bet your soul. They did the boogie boogie with the study roll. They mess around. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. I am visiting with Dustin Stanton, who is the co-founder, co-owner of uh, Stanton Brothers Eggs and uh, the nation's largest free-range chicken operation. Something like that. Independent. Independent. Okay. And uh, it's a pretty impressive operation. And and I, you know, I think uh, when I've had you on the program, and I I hate to bring this up again, but, you know, a few years back, a very large private jet landed at Columbia Regional Airport. And it was on that plane was the founder of Facebook, a guy Mm -hmm. named Mark Zuckerberg. Who looks kind of like you a little bit. I'm sure you've heard that before. I've been told that. Of course. Yeah. And, I, uh, I, I, I actually think we probably have the same parents, and he, he needs to adopt me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He needs to give you <laughs> your we share need to, of the inheritance. We need to get yeah. involved there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That out. And um, so, you know, I think that that says something about the nature of your operation, that it's, it's getting national attention like that. And mm-hmm. uh, and I think he was very interested in, in sort of what your generation, you're a younger man. How old are you? 31. 31. Wow, that's impressive. And uh, you're a younger man, and and uh, um, and I think he's trying to figure out what your generation is is doing, what motivates them, and, and how do people like you, your age, build successful businesses that become the world's largest business of its kind? Yeah. Well, I've, some days I'm trying to figure out what my generation's doing, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. Let me start the Yeah, air. completely. We probably shouldn't go down that road, but... Uh, um, so, you know, in addition to, to everything else that you're doing, uh, you're also the pastor of a church up mm-hmm. in Hallsville. Uh, what is the denomination? Church of Christ. Church of Christ. Yep. Okay. And, uh, how long have you been doing that? Almost eight years now. Wow. I, I can't believe it. All right. So you're 31 now. I'm going to try to do the math. And yep. so you start doing that when you're 23 years old, uh, right yeah. out of college. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a year out, but yeah. Yeah. And so, um, what part of your week gets dedicated to that beyond Sunday morning? Um, I really focus a lot on Sunday mornings. Um, I, I, that's when you're writing your your your. Speech, I do a lot of my your sermon. Call it sermon speech. Yeah, yeah, the message. I do a lot of time there. Um, yeah. I also lead a Bible class on Wednesdays. Okay, um, so I put a lot of time in Wednesday afternoons and yeah. Wednesday evenings for that. Um, and then there's the thing about being a a minister is that mm-hmm. there's always stuff going on so if, oftentimes i have to to rearrange my week if someone's in the hospital or someone's sick or someone needs counseling or help um and those are things that are unpredicted and sometimes come up at the last minute yeah that's uh that's amazing and so uh typically how many people are in your congregation on a sunday morning it, it is a smaller church yeah 20 25 yeah but you know that's really becoming more and more common it's very you know much so. I mean? yeah. and uh it's sort of a congregations of of uh anything over 200 is really 
very, 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 very rare right. uh, these days. And right. so, which is sad. Yeah, it is sad, <laughs> but uh, it's just sort of the new reality. And mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I would guess is that if you weren't willing to step up and and pastor at that church, that church would not be there. Is that fair to say? Well, you don't have to answer that question. No, that's a fair question. It, yeah. It'd be definitely more difficult. Yeah. Um, I'm at the point now where, um, and I'll, I'll just say this, I'm at the point now I would preach for nothing. I, yeah. It is a job, right? Yeah. I, I do get paid to do that. Yeah. But I would do it for nothing at this point. Yeah. That's how much I care about it. I, I hate, like, I hate seeing small country churches close up. Yeah. And there's a you, lot of them closing up. You go through just Missouri on the yeah. back roads, and there'll yeah. be one here or there with the with the boarded up doors, and it's, yeah. that makes me really sad. Yeah. Uh, what what's it going to take to get people to start going to church again? Uh, do, you, do you want the, again? Do you want the? Well, my my answer to that, uh, I'm not a pastor. I Go actively lead a men's ministry, but I will I will tell you that uh, Christians are the number one reason that people don't go to church anymore. I, I would agree with that, and so it's yeah. it is. Uh, and you know, a lot of us have had experiences in our in our youth, uh, I, in our in our young adolescence that really turned us off of church, and and. I heard a study that was conducted a few few months ago that said uh, the number one thing keeping people from church is that nobody has invited them to church. Oh, 100%. The, the best way to get someone there is yeah. to say, hey, come with me. I've Every time I've asked someone to come, yeah. I've never had no one say no. Yeah. And even if they can't make it this week, they'll make it in a few weeks. Like, yeah. If you just ask, most people will say yes. Yeah. And we don't do that. Yeah. We get so ashamed of that we have any conviction at all, so we just well, you're of, afraid of offending somebody, you know. Absolutely, and it's sort of, yeah. uh, uh, and I don't know wh- where that trend turns. Uh, you know, it's so, obviously so, going to have to turn. I think. What I was going to say, and I yeah, I say this tongue in cheek, how are things going to change? Look historically, usually when things get so bad, yeah, is when things change. Yeah, nine um, eleven, churches had a small revival. Yeah. Um, when there's massive events is when people turn back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be on the macro level. But also a lot of folks come back, if, if we want to use that term, yep. when they have something major happen in their life. Mm-hmm. There's probably folks listening right now, yeah. not to pull anyone out, who yeah. have major things going on, especially during the holidays. Yeah. Um, and I would invite you, just just sit in a pew and yeah. show up. I yeah. mean, it's no one's going to be upset that you're there. Yeah. What do you um, do for music in a small church? We, so, Well, so we sing a cappella. Right oh. at so we so just, no accompaniment no we, uh, we don't wow so it's really kind of cool um, is it cool or it, is it, it really is. bad well when when I'm singing um, I usually try to like tone it down a little bit <laughs> it depends how loud I'm singing let me say that <laughs> well that's pretty cool so uh, one one service on Sunday correct yes okay and uh, who how do you maintain the church um, how do you how do you keep it maintained and and in good working order. And good. Um, are you talking with uh, the physical building? The physical building. Yeah, we we just volunteer. Okay. Um, so we have folks, and once or twice a year, the man will get together, and we'll just work on stuff. Yeah. Um, things that are need help. Um, so I mean, that's that's yeah. what we do. Okay. Very good. I mean, you just you hear about these churches that have you know millions and millions and millions of dollars in budgets. You yeah, know, yeah we year. don't have that. <laughs> you know, and so and I and I know that it's a burden for them to keep up with it. It but, is. You know, uh, yeah. uh, you think about uh, what a what a small church must contend with. Well, we, we really have gotten off the subject of eggs, but but um, <laughs> um, the other thing that that the other facet of your life that um, was pretty important a couple of years ago is that uh, the. Governor Parson uh, appointed you to be the treasurer of Boone County, yep. and uh, tell me about that experience. What was the what's the one thing about that experience that stands out in your mind? Uh, sort of your big takeaway about being the treasurer of Boone County. Mm. So yeah, so I'm Boone. 
think about this. Boone County is over 200 years old. Yeah. I am Boone County's only Republican treasurer, which is, which is kind of a neat little thing. Yeah. A neat little yeah, fact. So, so you're the um, only Republican that has ever served as the treasurer of Boone County. To sit in that seat. Wow. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say that people oftentimes dictate Boone County by the leadership, and I I think there's some issues there, if I'm being honest. In the leadership of In the Boone leadership County. of Boone County, absolutely. Yeah. But I'm going to separate that for a minute to the people that are in the leadership to actually be able to actually work oh, on the yes. roads yep. and behind the yep. behind the counters. Yep. Those people are the salt of the earth. They are. Um, First class. 100%. Yeah. Like, I would lay down my life for any of them. Yeah. I, I, I think people tend to judge Boone County government by the people who are elected. Right. And the the people who are elected sometimes don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> how would you, they if they're never there? Amen. <laughs> And still taking the paycheck. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but the people that are actually the salt of Boone County and the core of it that are behind those windows um, are amazing. Yeah. And, and they come in every single day. And I va- I highly value them and still have many friends there who mm-hmm. um, are keeping it running. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. What What do you think most people in the, the general public, what, what would they be most surprised by? Uh, to, to learn about Boone County government or, or even the finances of Boone County government? So it's, there's a lot of money that gets paid. Well, let me start here. When you pay your personal property tax, which is coming up here this yeah. time of year, yeah. um, was it like 85, 87% that actually goes to the schools? 86.3%. Right, exactly. So a very small percentage of that goes back to Boone County government. Yeah. I mean, um, people, people don't even know because mo- most people have it um, escrowed. Uh, by their bank, yeah. and so I think if people like I own a commercial building uh, where the 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 property taxes are not escrowed, mm-hmm. and I have to write that check. It's it every hurts. every uh, December thirty first. I mean, it is brutal, and it is maybe one of the reasons I ran for Boone County Commission. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I said, "Where is this money going to?" And then, yeah. then you get there and you realize, "Oh wait, the county's not getting very the county's much." Really of that money. not? No, yeah. it is going to the schools. Yeah. And make up the county. Yeah. Would that, should that make everybody else feel better, knowing that? You don't have to answer that question. I won't. <laughs> um, a lot of the money is tied up to it. The money that actually goes back, what's it, 1.75% of sales tax goes back to Boone County. Mm-hmm. Um, but of that, only 0.5. So half a percent is actually in GR, which is the general revenue for unrestricted yeah. funds to keep the place going. Yeah. Most of that is going to, honestly, children's service yep. or the roads or the sheriff's department. And actually, in my opinion, I think the sheriff's department is lacking and they need more help. They need more um, money. They, they really more resources. do. So when you see this money going in, and I'm not someone... It's really one of the best run departments in, in, in the county. Amen. Yeah. And when I say that, I'm... To be very clear, I am not saying we should raise taxes. Right. I think we need to be careful about how where the money is going within the building and make sure it's getting to the right funds and the right departments to get those yeah. departments funded. So when a um, a county commissioner tells you, well, we really don't have a whole lot of choice because so many of our sales taxes are earmarked for either children's services or 911 or for roads mm-hmm. uh, that we really don't have a lot of say in where the rest of these dollars go to mm-hmm. uh, is would you say that that's a that's a fair statement? Sometimes, 
Yeah, but, I, I think it depends on the project. But and, the, the total county budget is only eighty or ninety million. Well, it was only eighty or ninety million, but, yeah, but thanks to uh, there's uh, internet ta- the marijuana tax, tax and yeah. uh, uh, online sales tax, yeah. and then all of the money that has come from the American Rescue Plan. I mean, mm-hmm. so the county's budget has jumped up considerably. It's over a hundred hundred uh, million dollars a year. Is it now? Do you know the budget wise? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know twenty twenty three budget. Um, it's still only twenty percent. It's only twenty percent of the city's budget, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind yeah, of interesting to think yeah, about it. Yeah. Because you've got so much more coverage. Yeah. And it's, it's so much smaller than the city. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you think people would be most surprised to know about, about, uh, taxpayers? What would they be most surprised to know about Boone County government? I think that, so there's been a project that's been going on for quite a while where they're trying to update the, the county's accounting system. Oh, the ERP. The ERP. Right. That's um, been a disaster. Amen. Yeah. And I just want to make that clear. Yeah, that, that started before COVID under the assumption that it started before I was a commissioner. And, yeah. And I've, I've been gone for was three that, years. 2016? Yeah. You started? Yeah. And I've been um, gone for three years. Yeah. And it was started under the assumption that it would be, you know, less than a million dollars. And if there's any investigative reporters listening to this, and I know there probably are, <laughs> um, you should look into that. I'm being very serious, though. Yeah. There's been millions of dollars that have yeah. been spent to that. Yeah. Out to a company in Seattle. And if you look at the leadership that started that, initiative they've all since walked away and retired yeah, yeah. um there's been a lot of waste and i don't use that term lightly i yeah. really mean that yeah. on that on that system yeah it's unfortunate and you know i i think it's um um you, you know you uh when you serve in county government you you have to sort of you inherit everything that your forefathers have done you know what i mean and that's yes you know and, and i think that that's uh it's hard to fix that in four years it really you know is. or two years or whatever whatever you, you get and uh, I think that that is something that is probably um, so you have to give the current office holders a little bit of grace because yeah. they inherited a mess. Yeah, they you did. Know? And so it's um, uh, but, you know, I, just, I don't think people enough people care. You know what I mean? I, I think that think so. the, the average people, of, you know, of Columbia have no idea what county government does. And I, um, I think you if know, you ask them, honestly, if you ask them who the commissioners were right now, I yeah. Don't think half the people would have any idea. No, I think that's right. I think that's very. And that's probably the most recognized office there. Yeah, sure is. So, well, um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, but what did you learn from that experience? I mean, as you're a, a successful businessman, mm-hmm. uh, what did you learn from that? Uh, did you, I mean, you didn't walk away empty handed. I mean, you, you, um, I'm sure you learned something. Something positive came from that experience for you. Absolutely. I mean, so knowledge. It really yeah. expanded my horizon on, well, talk about investing. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the way the financial system works. Yeah. Um, I find that to be very interesting, watching the, the, federal, the federal funds rates and um, just how all of these departments function together. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to use that in my business as well Yeah. Um, for internal growth. Did you... Uh, Get to, did you ever figure out, uh, while serving as Boone County Treasurer, how long were you in the office? Uh, April through December of 2020, okay. 2022. And, uh, did you ever figure out what, um, the, the, what the deal is behind the reserve funds that the county has? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> it's very confusing. You know what I mean? It is. I, I'm sure somebody could explain it, but man, there's a lot of money sitting in the reserve funds. Yeah, there is. You know, there really is. And so, um, money that has not been spent. I was money that is supposedly going to be spent. Supposedly. Yeah. On projects that don't equal to the amount of money sitting in those funds. Yeah. Yeah. So Well, we no longer have journalists in Boone County. So it's 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 tough to 
really ever shed some light on those subjects. So, all right, that's Dustin Stanton. I'm Fred Perry. We'll be back after this. We'll continue our conversation. We're going to talk about some of the things that are the future of agriculture, including the youth that are involved. This is the CEO Roundtable. You've been listening to 93.9 The East. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Dustin Stanton, who is the uh, co-founder, co-owner of Stanton Brothers Eggs the nation's largest independent free-range chicken operation. And uh, that's really quite cool uh, that it's right here in Boone County. Do you still have to go to the McDonald's in Centralia to get the World Wide Web? Yes. Do you? They still haven't fixed it. <laughs> they ran fiber out by our farm, but they wouldn't connect it. Yeah. They said that we to pay like 1500 bucks to run it like a straight feet. We yeah. said we would just run it ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. They said no. Yeah. It's, it is crazy. And I think a lot of people, you know, that's a, obviously if you have a thriving business operation. But I think a lot of us uh, city folks just take for granted that we have access to the internet. And, uh, yeah. you know, but in order for you to place an order or receive an order, you have to drive to the local to, uh, to download order. You know, so that's uh, kind of, uh, it's just, I know it's just a part of life, but it's just kind of interesting that in this day and age, we've got a town that has been around a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I know the school has it because the schools have a very special contract that they make happen. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, uh, and Ag. You and your young, you and your young brother are very active in your business. And what's it going to take? You know, we talked earlier about what's it going to take to become a church. What about young people? Have you seen any changes in the last few years? Has there been any kind of a resurgence or interest among young people in farming? I would actually say yes. Okay. I'm actually quite optimistic in that in that realm. Um, I've seen a lot of young folks want to get back involved. You, you go to town, you get a job there, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you just walk away, and you have you have nothing to claim as your own. Yeah, to a great deal. Yeah, but when you're on the farm, it's not only about the money, but like you actually have something to be proud of. And yeah. I, I have seen a lot of young folks that want to have a career that has a purpose or a value behind it. Yeah. And you definitely have that in a rural community and in, 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 in an ag setting with a yeah. farm. Yeah. Um, so I have seen that. Um, as far as how they get back, I think niche marketing is still a key. Um, the farmer's market, I've seen a lot of first-generation farmers come to the farmer's market. That's why I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the keys to get new folks and new blood in the industry. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. Yeah. And so niche operations, like yeah, I mean, you see farmers that specialize in mushrooms, not the psychedelic yeah. kind, but just, you know, the culinary kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you guys are specializing in just eggs. And that mm-hmm. was just one small part of the farming operation at one point. But but you're really focusing on, on a niche. Do, do you think that because this uh, – so I'm, I'm going to show my age and my bias here. But because this generation uh, doesn't necessarily like uh, getting um, – 
uh, taking orders from other people that, that this, the, the, the idea of farming seems a little bit more appealing to them that cause they can kind of be their own bosses. I would very much agree with that actually. And you yeah. know, we all, we all have jobs that, you know, a lot of people have jobs where they leave the end of the day, they have nothing to show for the fruits of their labor. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, whether you've got, um, you know, um, a steak on the dinner table or you have eggs in the skillet or you have a silo that's full of grain, yeah. uh, at the end of the day, in agriculture, you have something to show yeah. even uh, for just, your work. It was a family to, shield, to share a meal with. Yeah. I mean, seriously, like that, there's a lot of value to that. Yep. Absolutely. So it's, uh, so th- that's maybe one of the reasons it's so appealing, but you do, you sense a resurgence. Uh, you're, you're active in a lot of organizations. Yes. Uh, and, uh, are you still active with Farm Bureau? I am. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And so, um, are, are, are there intentional efforts to try to get kids more interested in agriculture? There are. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, even since I've kind of gone through some of these programs, there's new programs that have been initiated through Farm Bureau, through From Credit Services, through different um, entities like that yeah. to really draw people back to the industry. Yeah. Um, I don't see as many, unless you come from a massive size farm, yeah. I don't see as many young folks getting involved with the generic, I'm going to raise 400 cattle. Yeah. type of operations, mm-hmm. but I do see a lot of niche marketing. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks, you know, they're going to raise some popcorn and yeah. start a business, start a farm that way. Yeah. Or they're going or they're to gonna raise uh, lavender. Yeah. You know what I mean? Who, who would think you could build a business completely around lavender? I think that's actually really cool. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some goats. I'm going to milk the goats. And I'm going to sell goat soap. Then like, I'm going like, to do yoga with the goats on Saturday mornings. I mean, I'm a capitalist. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I wonder about is, is the value of a college education in agriculture. Mm -hmm. Tell me, give me your thoughts on that. There's a lot of people that are questioning the value of a college education these days. And I think that, you know, there's, there's a growing awareness that, hey, uh, if you find a vocation or a trade, uh, you know, you can forego a four year college degree and, and come out of school making pretty good money mm-hmm. and make good money the rest of your career. Um, how, how critical is a college education in agriculture? How critical is it? Um, the cows don't ask for it. I'll tell you that. Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> they don't want to see your degree. The cows have never asked to see my degree. Okay. The chickens haven't either. Yeah. They're not quite to that level yeah. yet. But do you think you'd be as good in business as you are if you didn't have that college degree? I loved my degree. Uh-huh. So I went to Mizzou, um, yeah. ag business. There are things I'm probably not even aware of that I've learned there that I've been able to implement into what we do. Mm-hmm. I, I am certain in that. If you're just going to go into a lot of debt to get a degree and you really don't know what you're going to do with it, I would caution against that Mm -hmm. i think a lot of folks have done that and now we see the student loan debt crisis that's going on and that's that's not an ideal situation to find yourself in yeah but if you know what you want to do and with a degree in ag i think it's very useful um i want to go with with what you said on vocation though i think vocation has the highest roi yeah you can go down to lynn tech get a degree i might misquote some numbers but two-year degree down there and go straight into welding and you could be making 90k yeah the next day no question at at the age of 20 years yeah or hvac or car repair yeah Yeah. i will say the little secret in america is the trades are where it's at yeah they have a lot of leverage right now yeah there's a lot of stuff we talk about that is being outsourced, but you can never outsource someone to come and fix your AC. Yeah. That is something yeah. that is long-term going to be yeah. there. Tremendous leverage. That's, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, China is the largest, I don't think, did I say that quite like President Trump says it? Uh, China. Uh, I, I still didn't get it right, but China is the largest producer of eggs in the world. Is there much, is there any consideration for exports, imports, 
when it comes to something like eggs? That's an interesting question. So the shelf life of, of the egg is right. is so short right. that probably eggs being produced in China are not somehow making it over here. You know, dairy and eggs tend to be pretty domesticated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of exports. That, now, if you get into like uh, powdered eggs, yeah, you can export that quite a bit. The, the one thing I would add to that is avian influenza. It goes on a three-year cycle. There's migratory birds that live up in the Arctic that transport it down. Mm-hmm. And you can notice this. You can actually follow the trend of when bird flu or avian influenza hits a country. On year one, it'll hit North America. Mm-hmm. On year two, it'll hit Asia. Year three, it'll hit Europe. Then back to year four, back to North America again. Yeah. And so when it hits Asia, they as you mentioned, they are one of the largest producers, so it hits a lot of birds. And mm-hmm. their sanitation over there is not great. Right. So they have disease problems all the time. Yeah. So when they get it, it spreads pretty fast. And so there is imports during those years to try to fill the gap. I see. Um, but when their flocks are healthy, yeah. then there's not as much opportunity for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, we saw the price of eggs at the grocery store. More than double. Mm-hmm. Um, was it this time last year or was, has it been two years? It's well, last year. Last year. Uh, yeah. Um, and what caused that? Um, there's a lot of factors there. Um, one of the factors is inflation. Mm-hmm. Like even across the board, we're seeing inflation with, I mean, insurance, labor, feed, um, you name it. Everything's gone up in that, in that regards. Um, last year, last year actually was a cause of bird flu. So we have a lot, uh, a lot more folks, especially in the Midwest. Um, who have been keeping outdoor flocks. Everyone wants to li- go in the country and buy six or eight chickens. Yeah. And a lot of folks don't realize, but they're actually asymptomatic. Not always, but sometimes. Yeah. They catch bird flu and they're asymptomatic carriers. And so it's been spreading like wildfire. So the people are the chickens they're the, carriers. The chickens okay. themselves. All right. right. Okay. And so a lot of these backyard flocks are catching it. Oh, I was in a seminar this summer and I think they said in 2022 there were 17 cases of bird flu in Missouri. Nine of those were from backyard flocks. Wow. If you had gone 10 years ago, there was not many, as many backyard flocks. That wasn't the case. Yeah. And so they were catching it and spreading it quicker. Um, so all that you, to say that a lot more birds are being depopulated yeah. when that happens. And you're seeing a shortage and then eggs going up to $10 like that. Yeah. What, what, um, what, what has protected you and your, your flock? Uh, did you say 6,000 chickens? No, 6,000 eggs. 72. 72,000. Wow. Yeah. Seventy seven thousand two hundred. Yeah. Um, what what has kept your flock from getting the avian flu? So one way it's caused by these birds, these migratory birds. They tend to go along the rivers where, where our farms located. This was unintentional, but just the facts is that we're out of the pads. Yeah. So could a stray bird go off and fly there? I guess so, but I'm we're, we're pretty low risk. Yeah. The second way this actually happens a lot that it spread is. Um, the industry, we have folks that are contracted out. So you have one feed truck that goes from farm to farm or egg truck that goes from farm to farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll catch it at farm number four oh. and take it to number five, six, wow. seven, eight. And you'll have a massive hit all of yeah. a sudden. We're independent. We yeah. grow our own feed. We deliver wow. our own eggs. We're not connected to anyone. Yeah. So it, that's pretty impressive. We're secluded and isolated yeah. in a lot yeah. of those ways. That's a blessing. That's for sure. The, um, I was just trying to go my list here. What about the food supply? Do you, do you have concern about the future of our food supply? In this country? I think what worries me today is we have regulated ourselves and we're to a point where if we actually, I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but if we if we ever do go into a war, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. we don't produce anything in the United States. And people don't realize that. Uh, a lot of our... I think we found that out with COVID. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and that's a real issue. Mm-hmm. The inputs for ag, seed, chemical, fertilizer, um, you name it. 
even just livestock to that degree, it's being brought in. Um, a lot of our, I would call them some of the more radical um, animal activist groups mm-hmm. have pushed those things out of the country. We're still having to input them in or, or I guess, import them in. But if there ever was an issue where we had to cut off where Malaysia couldn't send us fertilizer anymore, that would be a massive effect on our production here in the United States. Yeah. So fertilizer is one of the things that the production of fertilizer has been pushed out of this country? It has been, yeah. And, and why is that? Um, is it because of the odor? Is it because of the 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 chemicals? What is it? I would say perception. People have a bad perception of it. Yeah. So we push it out. As producers, we still have to use it. Mm-hmm. But we just can't make it in the states anymore. Yeah, to, to to a great extent. Yeah. Now there is very strong resistance against the concentrated animal feeding operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we haven't heard much about that in recent years. At least I, I the average citizen, have not heard. Maybe it's because I'm not elected official anymore, but I'm not hearing much about CAFOs. Anymore. I haven't really either, to be yeah. honest. Okay. No. Yeah. So not not as big of a concern. I would. I don't think so. Uh, name two or three places where people can buy Stanton Brothers eggs other than the farmers market here in Columbia. Well, you you are welcome to go to our website www.stantonbrothers.com. Okay. Okay. There's a link on there to a map to find where our eggs are sold at. We're sold at sixty outlets in Missouri. Okay, mid Missouri. I know you don't want to name favorites. Just tell us two two grocery stores in Columbia we can go to. Hyvee, Schnucks, Mosers. That's three. That's impressive. Very yep. good. Okay, so uh, Hyvee, Schnucks, and, and Mosers. And how many outlets do you have? So we have 60 outlets all together. That's a combination of grocery stores and restaurants and dining halls. Yeah, that's impressive. Well, well, good. Dustin Stanton, thank you very much for your service to our community. We appreciate that very much. And and, uh, for being such a a great shining example of a success story, especially for a young person, 31 years old, and you've got this amazing business that's uh, national in scope. So we appreciate you joining us. We'll talk to you real soon. Appreciate that. My pleasure. Next week on the show, Brian Tui from the Columbia Board of Realtors. And you think the ag business is crazy? Wait till we talk about the housing business in this market. That's next weekend on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city. And I love it. Yeah, I love it.